Hello, and welcome to episode 53 of Upgrade from Relay FM. Uh, it's a big day today in the, the Apple world, and I am joined uh, by your, your normal host, uh, or what's left of your normal host, Mr. Jason Snell. I'm, I'm mostly here. Hi, Stephen. How's it mostly going? Here? I'm mostly here. It's good. We should say that I'm not Mike, in case people haven't noticed that yet. Yeah, your voice uh, has like a slightly it. different timbre, also not English. Um, but it's and we're recording this on Wednesday, September 9th. Not the usual, not the usual day, not the usual co-host. But that's all because Apple made made our lives hard by uh, you know introducing a bazillion uh, things, and uh, we decided why don't we talk about what Apple did today rather than talk about what Apple would do in a couple of days on Monday. So here we are. Events over. I drove home. I'm sitting in my garage. I got my microphone ready to go. Very cool. Mike is uh, Mike is on a plane on his way to XOXO, where you and I will be. I don't want to say rendezvousing, but I'm going to say rendezvousing uh, tomorrow. So we'll yep see each other very shortly. Yep, you said it. You um, might not want to, but you said it. There it is. I did. It is you know words just come out. It's very yeah. confusing. Uh, so big big day today. Uh, really one of the most densely packed Apple events I can I can think of in, in recent history. We're gonna we're gonna get into yeah. what they announced and break it down and and your thoughts on it. Um, but so sort of from a, a meta perspective, it's a little bit of a unique event, right? Usually they have two fall events, uh, the iPhone being one and the iPad being the other. Those were together today. They didn't say anything, I don't think, about an October event happening or not, but uh, sort of a, a weird event, weird venue, right? A, a venue they haven't used in a, in a long, long time. And I don't know, what, what were your thoughts? Did it, did it feel any different being there? Uh, you know, it was, a, it, some of the details change, you know, it's a different venue. It's in a different, not really different part of town. It's about five or six blocks away from Moscone, I would say, well, you know, maybe seven or eight, but so I parked in a different parking lot. Um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, the, there's no, there's a routine to some of these places because we've been there so many times and this is different because this was the Civic Auditorium in San Francisco right next to City Hall. So a little bit different, um, and it was also like one of the hottest days of the year in San Francisco, so that was a little bit different. But um, you know, once you get in there, I, I will say the seats in that theater are fantastic. There were, we were we were packed in like sardines at the Flint Center in Cupertino, and the setup that they had in uh, in at the at the Civic was uh, was really really nice. So once you know you see the same people and you say hello and the doors open and you go in and you sit down and you do your job and um, you know it was a it was a uh, different kind of place, but it was very nice, really well. They obviously spent a huge amount of time uh, setting up the venue to be exactly the way they wanted it. And uh, and then they had room left over for these uh, hands-on areas on opposite sides of the hall. So there are two different hands-on areas. And, uh, and yeah, it was... Uh, and it was information dense. It was it was packed, uh, which we... When the rumors started to swirl yesterday, especially that um, they weren't potentially going to even do an event in uh, in October and they were just going to unload everything today that it had to be this way because there's just so mm-hmm. much and the uh, I, I saw some people uh, sort of talking on Twitter is it was it true that the place does not have air conditioning sounds I know it's different there, in California there is, so that sounds brutal so, so there is air conditioning um, although it was looked like there were just these big things on the outside of the venue with these giant uh, like tubes running into the building so I don't know whether there was like temporary air conditioning or whether that's the air conditioning system for that venue. San Francisco does not usually get very warm. Today, you know, as I'm speaking to you, it's 97 degrees outside and uh, that does not happen here. Um, I'm a little north of San Francisco. We're usually a little bit warmer, but not like not a lot. And and San Francisco today, likewise, 
beautiful, warm day, hot day. Very rare. And, and you know, people who live in San Francisco don't have air conditioning. So um, it wasn't too surprising. It, it, from where we were sitting up, um, we were sitting dead center. My group was right behind the camera well. So toward the top, it was hot. It was definitely hot. But, um, you know, but I think there was some air conditioning. You could actually hear the air conditioning. When things were quiet, you could actually hear a hum that was the air conditioning being left on because otherwise we would have all died. When you got into the hands-on areas, they were like meat lockers. It was beautiful, actually. After sitting for two hours in the uh, in the warmth and in a stuffy environment, it was really nice to go into the, the hands-on area. And down there, you, not only were you low down, so it was cooler, but I think that's where the, the AC was coming in, and that was glorious yeah, and i saw i saw a tweet from from gruber saying that there were a lot of apple employees there more more than he felt was was normal which is nice i think yeah yeah it was a well it's a huge venue and the thing is they don't size the press list based on the size of the venue they size the press list based on the size of the hands-on areas because you know you can't have a thousand press and only have like you know a handful of ipad pros and iphones and apple tvs to show people because it just becomes a zoo they're actually you know they limit how many people the fire marshal sets a limit on how many people can get into each of those areas so they have to constrain by by that but they can have apple employees come and uh, what was funny is they were sitting on the sides and we were kind of in the middle. And so you can't see this in the video, but you could hear it in the venue. Like you could tell when it was sort of a general like applause line when somebody was saying something impressive and there was sort of general applause. And you could tell when there was kind of like the Apple employees were told to applaud <laughs> <laughs> because the sound came from just yeah. the sides and not the middle so much. But yeah, there were a lot of Apple employees there and, and, and VIPs and then some press. But my, yeah, my impression is that it was like four digit number of you know, Apple employees and three digit number of press, like low three digit number yeah. of press. Well, um, you know, Tim Cook opened up saying that there was a lot to do and there was no time for updates, skipped over the normal this is how retail's doing, this is how the app store's doing stuff, uh, and kind of jumped right into the first topic of the day, which was Apple Watch, which is what will be the beginning of, throughout a theme throughout this episode of Jason was right. So uh, Mike was right about uh, some things, but you are right today. He was. About some things. I got some, I, I got some things right too. Mike, I, you know, when we talked about uh, last week about whether they would they would really pack it all in, I said, eh, I could see how they would do it, but I, I my gut feeling was that they that they wouldn't go that way. And you know, I'm fortunate that my fallback was right. Um, but yeah, it was it was super packed, and I I like the no time for updates. Quite honestly, the updates stuff, although it can be interesting, especially if you're um, doing some Apple, you know tea leaf reading about like what did they choose to say and what numbers did they throw out sometimes those numbers are numbers you can't get anywhere else but come on it's padding it's filler it's because they don't have more to say and tim cook seems to be much less uh concerned about dumping it than steve jobs was tim cook is is i feel like this is going to be the new normal now is that we're not going to get updates or if we do get updates they're going to be a different kind of updates because they still did an update but they did the update in the iphone section about the iphone they didn't do like a general business update about retail and stuff like that at the beginning and that's fine nobody is there to see that stuff so I, i i think it's i think it's good that they that they said no time for updates yeah, Let's so go. they they jump right into the Apple Watch, and they again there's a little a little bit of an update, sort of a little fake update, talking about the customer satisfaction being ninety seven percent. Yes, um, mm. good customer set. 
Tim didn't say customer sat. He said customer satisfaction. I wonder if they coached him out of customer sat. Yeah. Thank, uh, I want to give whoever coached him out of it a high five. <laughs> uh, but it, they, yeah. they talked about how, how people have really connected and really enjoyed the product. There was a line about closing the rings has become a healthy obsession, which I thought was nice. And I think I see that in a lot of my nerd friends, you know, using uh, the Apple Watch yeah. for fitness where they didn't necessarily think they would. So kind of a nice, like a feel good. A little update on the watch, and then they talked about uh, Watch OS two again. Yeah. As you know, Apple kind of revisits these software updates as they get closer. Yeah the the watch um, the watch was introduced a year ago, and it's been in public con- the public consciousness for a year. Even though it's only been in our hands for you know a few months, it's been known for a year, and so they needed to set the stage there. Um, they're not going to ship a new watch, right? So th- what do they do? The answer is they talk about Watch OS 2, which is coming next week. And they talked about some new hardware. And I think that's interesting that, you know, you don't have to update the internals, but you can do some new metal finishes. You can do some new bands. And they did both of those. Um, rose gold and gold in the sport model, which, I, you know, if you if you wanted a gold watch, if you, you think, you know, your clothes, your complexion, whatever, go better with gold than with silver jewelry, um, now you can do something that isn't a solid gold watch because you can get the anodized aluminum gold. I think that's good. Lots of different bands. And then also there's that uh, Hermes um, deal that they make, and I, forgive me if I'm mangling that, but th- this is, you know, high-end high brand um, with a specific band and a specific face that you can get that is a custom Hermes uh, band or a face. And that's an interesting deal. And we'll see um, whether we see more of those where a luxury brand is kind of uh, making a deal with Apple to do a, a version of the Apple watch that is highlighting their, their, their brand. So, so there's a lot of, a lot of Apple watch news for a product that didn't get updated because it really only shipped a few months ago. Yeah. The, uh, the, you know, the band stuff was sort of, Sort of expected that, and they kind of talked about you know this is a uh, some new ways to make it your own additional customization. And uh, I for one like the new colors of the sports bands. There was an orange one that kind of jumped out at me, and having more options is nice. Um, if you go on that band page now in the store, there are just lots of options for the sports bands. The leather one got updated. Just yeah. a lot of good stuff. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's really good. Um, so my wife's birthday is next week. And we had talked about getting her an Apple Watch. She wants an Apple Watch. And, you know, we got to the point where we basically would have bought one last week, Um, except we figured there'd be new stuff today. And it's great because now she's got that much more to to choose from, I think, including uh, she didn't love a lot of the the sport band colors. So she's got those and some different leather options. And I think, you know, and different color options for the for the uh, sport what model if she wants the sport model so it's all good i think that i think that's really great i think the more just as maddening as it is to have all those choices because you end up being super conflicted it's good to have the choices um because people choose to buy or not buy sometimes based on some very specific things like if the color band you want isn't available that might be enough to get you to say no so now there are more bands it's good so they, they said that watch os2 is going to be out uh on uh what they say the 16th alongside ios 9 
uh, you're if that's what you heard, then that's great. The, one of the things about being inside the uh, event bubble is if you missed it as it flew by the first time, you missed it, and I still haven't <laughs> caught up because I've only, you know, I've only seen what I've seen and heard what I've heard, and and there's lots of details that are on in PR and on the website, and I just absolutely like if you ask me to name all the colors of the <laughs> of the watch. Uh, watch bands. I couldn't do that either. I have a picture of them that I took, but I don't know. So sounds right. I mean, next week is when iOS 9 and watchOS 2 should be happening, I think. Yeah. So it's it's coming up. Um, you know, it's 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 always interesting to watch how Apple paces these things or watchOS 2. You know, got a lot of basically got announced at WWDC, got a lot of stage time, and they always have these events right before the release to kind of, you know, remind people to get the, the last, the, the GMs are out, so the last beta builds of iOS 9 and watchOS 2 and all this stuff shipped today kind of get everybody ready and pointing in the same direction uh, for the for the 16th. So it's going to be a busy uh, a busy couple weeks. Yeah, this is the high season. I mean, this is for, uh, I know this is inside baseball for people who, you know, who listen to us, but the, the, for the people who write and talk about Apple stuff, uh, this is, this is the uh, busiest time of year. It's you know in some ways it's a culmination. If you've been working on stuff over the summer, you like how our friend Federico Vatici is is working on his iOS review, um, which he now has a very clear deadline for that one. Um, and then we also got some clarity in a offhanded way about the El Capitan release, which is going to be by the end of the month, September thirtieth. Um, so you know I I'm going to be writing tens of thousands of words in the next two weeks and. Uh, about various products in the next three weeks, really, and so will most of my colleagues, or we'll be talking about them. I mean, this is this is it. This is the big this is the big season for Apple stuff. So yep, it's gonna be crazy. Uh, so we're gonna get into some more of that, but we are going to take a quick break. Upgrade this week is brought to you by the fine folks at GoToMeeting. If you think about the time, money, and hassle it takes to hold a meeting, you, know, you got to get people in the same place. You got to get the projector set up. You got to find that weird dongle for the guy's laptop. It's a real hassle. I, you know, I just came from the corporate world, and it's just such a pain to get everyone sitting around a table talking about something. Uh, but there's a better way. You can meet with your clients, and, can, and you can meet with your coworkers online with Citrix GoToMeeting. Uh, it's easy to meet with your team wherever you are, wherever they are, whatever you need to do, because you can do it from any computer, tablet, or even a smartphone, Jason, even a smartphone. No travel expense or hassle of travel. You don't have to worry about missing the flight to go to the thing, you just pick up your iPad and you're there. Your team can join by clicking a link, no signups or speed bumps. And you can tur- just turn on your webcam with HD quality video. You can see people, you can read their facial expressions, you can have that conversation. Really great. With GoToMeeting, everyone sees what you're seeing so you and your team can get on the same page and get going quickly. Stop wasting time with these crazy logistics of arranging meetings and go and sign up for GoToMeeting today. You can try it free for 30 days. There's absolutely nothing to lose. If you go visit gotomeeting.com and click the Try It Free button, you'll have your first meeting up and running just in minutes. Again, visit gotomeeting.com for your free 30-day trial. Thank you so much for GoToMeeting for supporting Upgrade and all of RelayFM. So, Jason, up next on the uh, the Tim Cook checklist today, I- iPad Pro. Ooh. Yes iPad. Yes. Pro. He seemed very it's excited. Real. It's he seemed real. Very excited on stage. Tim Cook loves that iPad. He always talks about how much he loves that iPad. And uh so this is the this is it. This is this is the next step, which is an enormous iPad. Yeah, so it's uh we can knock through the specs real quick. 12.9 inch display, 
2732 by 2048. The uh, the width of it or the is actually like the height of the iPad Air. They had some weird overlay to show that you, you can have a full iPad Air sized application and a slide over at the same time, which is really crazy. That and a well and a and a uh, a split view, a split that's right, a split screen, not not a, not a slide over. So it's yeah, it's it's pretty crazy that that you know holding an iPad Air um, upright in in landscape or in portrait mode um that is the that's one side of the screen in landscape orientation on the ipad pro and then there's room for another app next to it did it did it (laughs) so i saw some some hands-on photos and stuff like places like the verge had one uh is it as look as huge in person as it does in photos I mean, it's big, but we're we're trained to think of of the iPad a certain way, and this goes against that. Um, it, what what struck me about it, it reminded me of when I I reviewed a Sony tablet a few years ago for TechHive, and I remember how light it was, and thinking that how how much denser and heavier the Apple uh, the iPads felt, and the iPad Air came out, and it was like, all right, this this is better. But I'll tell you, too, so it weighs what the original iPad weighed, but it's spread out over this 13 inch diagonal display area you know it's it it, and as a result it feels super light because although it's uh although it's very large it's so light that um it it just does it doesn't feel particularly dense to me to the point where you can hold it with one hand totally reasonable like it's it's that light It, it doesn't matter that it's it's big because it is still um you know remarkably light and uh but yeah, if you're used to a, a full size iPad, you'll look at this and be like, "Oh my God, this is huge!" But you know, it's like it's like tearing the display off of a 13 inch laptop. Not recommended. Kind of. Do not try it at home. No. So don't it's do it. it's big, but Apple also drove home the power behind it, right? So it's A9X. Um, they say it's at 1.8 times faster than the Air 2 console class GPU, which I think is a really interesting turn of phrase. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, this this is a statement they made, and it's sort of a weird way of putting it, I think, but according to Apple, the iPad Pro is faster than 80% of uh, portable PCs that shipped in the last six months, and the graphics are faster than 90% of those same PCs. That's sort of a... I, yeah. I see where they're going with that, right? They're saying this has the power of a of a laptop, and, and actually a really good laptop, but it's sort of a a weird way to frame it because they didn't really... They didn't really sell why that power was there. I, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't know. It, it, Apple, when they do these presentations, how they frame stuff can can be fascinating, and how they di- cannot talk about the competition a lot of the time. Sometimes they they will bring up the competition to ridicule them. Other times they will sort of define the universe is being like what Apple does. And then other stuff is like not even worth talking about. And this was, this was an interesting one where it's like, yeah, it's faster than most PCs um, that have shipped in the last, in the last six months, but uh, we're not going to get into it more than that. And I don't know. It's, this is, this whole story is funny because this is, they're saying this is a P, uh, an iPad with the power of a PC, but it's still an iPad. And that is, you know, very different than the windows tablets that are PCs that are also tablets. And that you know they're convertibles or or it's something like the Surface where you can attach a keyboard and a pointing device and then you've got something that's different. Um, so what are they trying to say here? I mean, they're trying to say, look, this is a super powerful thing, and that's why it costs what a you know what mm-hmm. a PC costs because it's got the power of a PC in it. It's just um, 
it's just it's an interesting idea to wrap your head around like an even more expensive even larger ipad with even more uh power although i was talking to somebody who is a very smart person who is who was saying i don't need more graphics power i don't need more uh, processor power give put more ram in it and we don't you know, i'm not sure we know how much ram is in this thing but you know that's what this this person was saying is you know i'd ta- i just take it with like if it's even if it's got what the ipad air 2 has which is two two gigs of ram it's like not enough give mm-hmm. me more give me four you because you wouldn't ship a pc with two gigs of ram so um it'll be interesting to see what what my gut feeling is that it probably doesn't it probably only has two gigs of ram but yeah i don't know yeah, the RAM's always interesting with these things. You know, a lot of people, myself included, really hope the 6S Plus has has more RAM. The the 6 Plus has a tendency to sort of get hamstrung uh, when it gets memory constrained. Yeah. And and like Apple draws this graph of like this is what the CPU does, this is what the GPU does, but they've the RAM has moved so much slower than those other things. They just don't talk about it, and yeah. so. You wait till review units go out and people start testing in. They kind of figure out how much RAM has it, or you wait till iFixit tears it down. They look up the part number, and um, but yeah, I tend to agree with you that that's an important metric that Apple's just really silent on. And I understand why they do that, but at the same time, it's a little frustrating they don't bring it up at least when it changes. Yeah, well, there's a lot of stuff that Apple, you know, Apple's happy to put these context list graphs up that say, you know, or or stats of like it's eighty percent, or here's a chart about how much faster we've we are than the last model, or how much we've grown in the last five years. They're happy to do that. It's a little harder to get them to get into um, the details of the tech specs, and it is interesting too what tech specs they get into and what they don't, because they were happy to say that it's the A9X processor, but uh, they were not happy to talk about things yeah. like how much RAM it has. Or what, or what the clock right. speed of the processor is. Right. It, it does have, you. they do, they did uh, throw out your, your 10 hours of battery life, Jason, your iPad battery life. Uh, yep. You and me both. That's the mm-hmm. solving for X thing. There it is. What a shock. 10 hours of battery life. You don't say. That's what they shoot for. So of what course. it is. That's what it is. Uh, speakers seem better. Um, but the, of course the real, uh, the real story here, hardware-wise, is the keyboard and the and the Apple Pencil. Yeah, I, I suppose so. I mean, I, I, I'm excited. We just did the Clockwise podcast from right outside, and uh, people were we, – we, were, we spent time talking about the keyboard and the pencil. Um, I'm more excited by the fact that this is an iPad Pro and that it's got a giant screen and that you can do interesting things with all those iOS 9 split-screen uh, features. I'm more excited about that than I am by the peripherals. I think the peripherals are interesting and, and it's fine to be excited about them, but you know, I'm, I'm excited about what this means that there's a a new, like super powerful iOS device and, and, uh, a lot of the features of iOS nine seem to have been designed for it, even though we, we, we found about out about them sooner and we're told that it worked with the air Two. Now we, now we really understand why they were developed that way and like the keyboard you know just how just as the iphone 6 plus gets a extra few extra keys the software keyboard on the ipad pro has like extra rows of keys and extra columns of keys so there's lots of stuff like that that kind of fascinates me i'm not a as mike knows all too well i'm not a stylus or pencil or pen person so my my feelings about the apple pencil are not particularly strong i didn't get a chance to use it i saw it in action um, I don't know what I would have used it for anyway. It would have been embarrassing and weird for me to uh, scribble something on the screen. Microsoft did a demo of of uh, 
of uh, scribbling on things in Word. Apple had a sample of like scribbling on an email using a pen. And I look at that stuff and think maybe somebody uses that, but I it, that seems completely unrealistic to me. I think artists are going to be very excited by it. Designers, people who for whom a pen input makes more sense. Um, and it sounds like this is the same old story with the Apple Pencil, where it's you know Apple is integrating it as 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 well as it can with the hardware and the software, and that gives them a huge advantage over the uh, third party makers of of pens for the iPad because Apple can do stuff that they can't because Apple can put hooks in the software that make their pen work way better than any other pen. Um, and that's probably what will happen here. It won't kill all the other styluses because they don't work on the iPad Pro. And I don't think there's still going to be people who want to use a stylus on a on an iPad or an iPad mini, but it's going to hurt them for sure because a lot of their customers will go and buy an iPad Pro and they're going to want the they're going to want the yeah pencil. the the Microsoft demo was interesting. You know, the only thing I could think about was a the keyboard kind of looks like the Surface keyboard, <laughs> uh, and then you have yep yeah and Apple said something funny like you've never seen a keyboard like this before and it's like well we've seen one that's pretty close to yeah. this. <laughs> I mean oh no what they said was that uh, like nobody nobody's used a keyboard like this before or something like that and I was like I guess they're saying nobody used the Surface which might be true but weird. Um, yeah, I was thinking that too. And then they brought Microsoft. I mean, the, the truth is Microsoft's iOS apps are really good. Their iPad apps are really good. Office for iPad is excellent. So, you know, it it they should be on stage for that. Yeah, so the the pencil is uh, it's just for the iPad Pro at this point. I mean, I, I assume that at some point the other iPads might pick up support for this. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe down the road yeah. it's possible. But it's um, all of the, from my understanding, all of the the force sensitivity and you know it can tell if it's tilted over and and all this stuff is happening in the in the stylus itself not on the glass where it it is scanning for touch more rapidly when the when the pencil is engaged but uh it's not like the glass is where the the levels of sensitivity are it's actually in the tip itself right in the in the pens yeah yeah, there's no force sensitivity happening in the actual device unlike other iOS devices announced today um yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, it's instead of having an eraser, it's got a little cap with a lightning port underneath it, and you just plug it into the into the iPad Pro, and it charges it. And they say that you can plug it in for 15 seconds and get 30 minutes of use out of it, which is pretty cool. So if you run out of battery, you just pop it in, you know, wait for a minute, and then pop it back out, and then you can continue your 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 work. Um, artists are gonna love it. We talked about this in previous episodes, um, Mike and I, that. Artists are going to love it. Um, there are a lot of a lot of creative people who have really wanted. They like iOS as a platform. They like Apple stuff, um, but they they really wanted something better than what what Apple was giving them. And this is one of those areas where Apple just seemed to not care about that market. And with the iPad Pro, they suddenly care because they feel like this is a product that that those, that market is going to embrace with the big you know big screen and the you know the integrated you know optional but you know designed for that product. Uh, stylus. Um. So uh, so we get, we have to address. There's an elephant in the room, right, with an Apple stylus. Uh, there's ver- a very famous moment. You know, the uh, elephant's trunk is so delicate that it could hold a stylus. I don't know if that's true. I just made that up, but it could be true. It's beautiful. So 2007, Steve Jobs is on stage. Uh, a very famous image is who wants a stylus? Ick. And now. Stylus. So, I, I I can reconcile this. Uh, what do you think about it? Uh, well, Steve Jobs was talking about 
the old capacitive touchscreens required you to use a stylus to do all your touching. So, I mean, people talk about that a lot, but that that was the context back then. Was literally like, if you had to pull out a stylus in order to do things on the iPhone, um, then then Apple would have failed because that the, they didn't want to do that. Um, I think that when Apple shows this pen and shows it being used for for drawing and other things that uh, a finger is not good enough for, I think that it's uh, I think that it's fine. Although, like I said, I think they can push it a little too far when they show you know you can circle things in an email using our markup tool. Yay! I don't know if that's a thing that anybody actually wants. Again, maybe I'm wrong, but um, I, I that that was when it kind of I, I, my skepticism was strong on that point but you know it, it's it's not it's an optional product it's an accessory for certain kinds of input on a big screen you know there are styluses for the ipad and have been for ages so it's not that that great a leap i would say i'd say it would be a different story if there were things you just couldn't do without the stylus and it had to come bundled with it and it had a little stylus pocket and things <laughs> like that but it doesn't have those things so it's a it's not a big deal. Yeah, I mean even the demos, the Microsoft guys were using their hands, using their fingers to draw and they they'd only pick up the pencil when it was time to do something really in depth. And the same thing with the 3D medical uh demo where you know she's kind of spinning it around and looking at different parts. I think it was like a leg and a knee and then they go into virtual surgery and use the pencil like a like a scalpel or a knife, which was very upsetting, but um yeah. That sort of mixed use I think is what Apple is hoping people will how people will approach it. Yeah. Look, I can draw an arthritis. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, there, <laughs> there are going to be certain apps for whom and certain users for whom uh, using that is going to be appropriate. And that's fine. That's, you know, that's great. Yep. So it, it sits above the iPad Air in the in the line. I, I think it's more expensive than, than I thought it would be. I was a little surprised. Did we jump did we, over the keyboard? Did we, talk, did we not we talk, talk about the keyboard? The keyboard? So we should talk about the keyboard. Oh, yeah. We just said it looks like the Surface keyboard, but it's uh, it's built into the case, and it sort of snaps down. This thing has yeah. these. It's like a smart. It's like a smart cover um, with a full extra fold thing. So you fold the keyboard keycaps into the into the cover, and then the cover goes over the screen. So it's not, unlike the Surface keyboard, which I think is just the keys go up against the screen. This one's got like an extra fold, um, but for then from the outside, it looks like a. Uh, you know, it looks like a, a standard iPad uh, keyboard cover, or I mean, uh, smart cover, but it's actually a keyboard with uh, little uh, the little dome switches, just like the ones in the MacBook. And they, you know, it's got kind of this meshy kind of material, and the keys do move a very small amount. And I could type on it pretty fast, which is nice. Um, it's, you know. The trade-off is you could bring a Bluetooth keyboard with you with mechanical keys and get much more feel and probably type faster. But that Bluetooth keyboard is not going to fold over your your iPad screen um, super thin like a uh, like a, a, a smart cover. Well, you're not you're not trying hard enough, Jason. <laughs> it'll fold. It'll it'll yeah. fold if you really get yeah. on it. I'm, and the more you make it like a thing that can be folded over the screen, then the more sacrifice you're making on one one end or another. But it it was I could see I could see the appeal for some people of you know it's just it's the thing you carry around it's your cover and if you fold it out it's also a keyboard that that's that's cool and and it's got these new three little dots on the side that is a new access uh, point for this keyboard and apparently for third party devices of other kinds too that 
I think Logitech, made, uh, according to Dan Frakes, he got some press releases that Logitech announced that they're making something that works with this too. So, um, you know, it provides power and uh, input, so you don't need to use wireless to get input in. So that's interesting too, that there may be other accessories that use the those little three dots that are on the side of the iPad Pro. Yeah, it's nice that it, that it passes power. And I, I reviewed a bunch of Bluetooth keyboards recently, and you have to pair them all, and it's kind of a pain, and then you got to make sure they're charged. It's like the last thing you want to do is charge a keyboard. Like that's just the last thing anyone, anyone wants to do. And so having it draw power from the iPad itself, I think is a really good move. It means that it will always work, right? That there's nothing finicky that could go wrong or you, know, you pop that thing in there and you know you'll be you'll be good to go. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah, sure. Good. Um yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't I don't really see like that's not a, a huge traction to me. I mean I've got a keyboard that I use in my iPad sometimes, but it's it's really not like I'm not the target audience for this, but uh, I think the people who are going to like that it's so much better integrated with, with what they already have. You know, the, the iPad and the keyboard are sort of, they're not one, but they're much closer relate, closely related now than they were, you know, on other iPads with third-party hardware keyboards. Yeah, sure, sure. It's it's surprising it took Apple this long to provide a keyboard as an option for the iPad because it's just, you know, other companies have been selling them for a while now. Right. And there's money to be made there. But, you know, here we've got it. It's just for the iPad Pro. You know, it, it's good. It's a, it, you know, it, it seems like a very nice keyboard for, you know, for what it is, which is a very super thin thing that can be folded back up against the screen. And then you're not even thinking that you've got a keyboard with you. The, um, so yeah, so it's, and there, the keyboard and the pencil are both sold separately. Yeah, neither neither of these things are bundled. The keyboard is 169 bucks. The pencil is 100 bucks. Um, pricey accessories, but it's a pricey tablet, honestly. Yeah, it's priced like a you know like a laptop basically. It's, it starts at 799. 128 model is 949. You're in MacBook Air territory at that point. If you throw in a uh you know a smart the smart keyboard's one sixty nine. The pencil's ninety nine. I mean, it adds up. This is a. This is not a. Uh, it's not a cheap product. It's a high end iPad. It's it, it it it's so high end that it is pushed into the, you know, into the laptop category. And that that's I think one reason why they're not not shying away from it so much. Yeah, I think it. The prices, real. I think they tried to link the the power and the price a little bit of hey, this is more powerful than you know. 70% of PCs out there or whatever they said. Um, that helps justify the cost, I think, to some people. It's like, hey, this thing is much closer to what, you know, I'm, I'm doing on, on my on my notebook as far as uh-huh. CPU and GPU performance. And I mean, I think that's all sort of the same story, that this thing is bigger, it's more powerful, it can do more, uh, it's going to cost more. So it, it's, it starts at $799 for the 32 gig, uh, yep. nine forty nine for the hundred twenty eight, and then ten seventy nine for the hundred twenty eight gig Ooh. with LTE. It's the only LTE um, model on the on the Pro, which I, I was a little surprised to see that only the LTE only be available on the high end one. Um, you know, I could see this if they're pitching this as a laptop replacement for certain types of people. Um, it'd be nice to have that always on data option. On, on both models maybe, but um, I don't know. I'm biased in that I've only bought LTE iPads for several years now, and I really like having data 
on my iPad anywhere. So mm. uh, I know that I'm not in the majority there. But um, uh, what about you? Have you have you do you care about LTE on an iPad at all? And some people don't. I kind of don't. Um, it you know I always like the idea of it, but as long as I can as long as I can tether to my iPhone, I kind of don't care. And I can tether to my iPhone, so I kind of don't care. I would have to spend an extra $10 a month. I'm very rarely in a situation where I feel like, oh, if only I had data on my iPad right now. Well, my iPad mini actually is a cellular model, and I've got the T-Mobile SIM that gives me the 200 megabytes for free every month, and I, I never use it. I just, I never use it. I use the iPad. I, I never use that feature. So, you know, I, because I'm my plan works fine with tethering. I don't pay any extra for the tethering and I'd pay extra if I put it on my data plan into the shared pool. I'd pay ten dollars a month and uh plus buying that model. So I haven't done that. And you know, it's there. It's making that a premium feature and charging more for it. That's part of the game that Apple has played with other products and other and other features all along. So not too surprising, I would say. This is not a not a cheap uh not a cheap product, but it's not meant to be. You know, it's not. Is this is it a product though that you are interested in as a as an iPad user? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I'd say I'm intrigued by it because of the big screen space and that I use an iPad a lot. Um, but I'm I'm still I'm having used the iPad Air two this summer. I, I'm I'm only now coming around to the fact that maybe I don't want the iPad Mini four um, because the iPad Air two. It's nice having that extra screen space, and it is so light that, you know, I'm not sure I want to go back to the Mini. Uh, when I did go back to the Mini for a week when I was on my trip, I was like, oh, it's so little. It's so nice. So I'm I'm completely at sea now about what iPad is right for me. I'm not sure because since I don't – I mean, I'm not – the size kind of doesn't matter in terms of toting it around. And so at that point, wouldn't you want the big one? Um, other than the expense of it, wouldn't you want the big one? Everything's big and beautiful and you can do you all, use all the multitasking features, which are kind of cramped, honestly, on the iPad Air too, but uh, will not be cramped so much on this thing. I don't know. Probably not. But um, if I could get to the point where I could be more productive, I, I, I would say this. Um, it's great that this product is here and it's great that iOS 9 has some features that make productivity on the iPad better and, and fit well with the existence of this product. But boy, Apple should have been doing productivity features on the, on the iPad version of iOS for years now. You know, that, um, the, the stuff that they're introducing this time, I mean, maybe the, they couldn't do uh, split screen stuff until they had more RAM. I, I can see that. But things like, uh, the insertion point on the on the keyboard and maybe slide over and some other, you know, better support for for Bluetooth keyboards. I feel like there's so much more to do here in terms of making iOS a better professional productivity operating system and that Apple only really kind of realized that was a thing they needed to worry about this year. And I think that's disappointing because um they're, they could be further along than they are. Because I look at this and I think, could I use this as my traveling machine? And the answer is no, because there's some stuff. And some of that's because, you know, I do podcasts and that's a weird thing. I know that not, you know, most people aren't going to aren't gonna do, but there's probably other equivalent things for other, other use cases. For me, the fact that iOS is not capable of doing the sound stuff that Mac OS is. That that you can't plug in a microphone and record what you're talking about while it's also piping through an app. That doesn't work. 
and works on the Mac great and doesn't work and podcasters rely on that. It's just, it's not there. Um, so I can't use it. And I feel like eventually I don't want them to clutter it up with a lot of junk, but there's a lot of things that the iOS just kind of doesn't do or doesn't do well. Like on in the demo that they had from for Microsoft and they had Excel and they had Word and they had a chart and they said, look, you can copy it over here and paste it over there. It's like they're right next to each other. Why can't you drag and drop? Well, iOS doesn't do that. Right. I mean, well, we just don't do that. <laughs> we got them. We got them side by side. Give us so time. Close. We'll do drag and drop eventually, but not yet. Now you just got to copy from one and go over to the other one and paste it in. It's like they'll get there, but it does feel I, I get that feeling a little bit of like maybe they should have started earlier. <laughs> so I don't know. I think I feel like, you know, this is great hardware that maybe is let down a little bit by the fact that the OS is still not mature um, in for for tasks like this. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I mean, as capable as this tablet looks and as I look at the pencil and there's a novelty aspect to it for me, but it's not something that I could um I could replace my MacBook Pro with. It's just it's just not. And and for that reason with the price, it's it's really not something I'm looking at picking up, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I other than as a comic book reader, I look at it and go, oh, you're reading comics on that would be really, really great. They'd be big and pretty and all that. But yeah, it's it's probably not uh, it's probably not there yet. Should we take a break? Yeah. Um, this week, this is mine. Although I can talk to, I can send things to you. Uh, this episode is being brought to you by Stamps.com. I've talked about them before. When I talk about this with Mike, I can't, you know, I can send him him things, but he can't send things back to me because he is not in America. Although I guess he is right now. He could get a stamp or he could use Stamps.com and he can send things to me now. Um, because this is a service for people in the U.S. It is better than leasing a postage meter because that is expensive. There are multi-year commitments and hidden fees. Uh, it's better than going to the post office because if you're like me, you don't really want to walk over there. It takes time. You don't want to drive over there. At least I can walk to my post office. That is true. But then you wait in line um, and it, and there are people and you have to interact with people. Uh, sometimes I just don't want to interact with people. Fortunately, there is a better way, and that is Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package right from your desk. You can use your own computer and printer to do this, and it's better and easier to use than a postage meter at a fraction of the cost. You can save up to 80% with Stamps.com compared to a postage meter, and you'll avoid the post office. Stamps.com costs $16 a month, $15.99 to be precise. That's it. You don't have to make a long-term commitment. Uh, that can span over multiple years, like most postage meters require. There's no markup on postage. In fact, you can get some special postage discounts with Stamps.com. So it's really a no-brainer. I have used it recently. I used it to send some uh, stuff. We bought some stuff in Spokane at the science fiction convention that I went to for people who uh, work on the Incomparable podcast, my one of my many other podcasts that I do, and I needed to send uh, send one of those people a package with some of the stuff from uh, from Spokane, and we I used stamps.com to put that package together, handed it to my letter carrier, and I was done, and that they got it a couple days later. It was great. So right now you can use our promo code upgrade for our special offer, no risk trial. $110 bonus offer includes a digital scale and up to $55 in free postage. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in upgrade. That's stamps.com. Enter upgrade. Thank you so much to stamps.com for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. All right. So uh, we've had the watch. We've had the iPad Pro. 
And now we're in the living room, Jason. We have moved into the living room with the new Apple TV. We are in the living room. Welcome to the living room. New Apple TV. I I was writing stories about how the Apple TV would be great with apps like three or four years ago. And uh, look, it finally happened. You're, you're a thought leader, is what the kids say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I was leading a little too far here, hmm. I think. So it's new hardware, uh, which enables all this new software stuff. They're still selling the... Apple TV as we know it today, but it doesn't get any of the new stuff, which is kind of sad. Um, but, you know, Cook opened this with kind of the, the phrase that the TV experience hasn't changed very much in decades. And he compared it to smartphones in the mobile industry, which, of course, has just completely changed uh, over over time, uh, really since 2007 with the iPhone, 2010 with the iPad. And his argument was that the apps are a core to that. So you have these really rich apps that provide content or provide entertainment. And uh, Apple seems to think that, hey, it worked for the smartphone, it worked for the tablet, it can work for the uh, the TV as well. Yeah, it is funny. You know, I I applaud them for the way they phrase this about how the future of TV is apps. Because if you're going to be on... If you're not going to be replacing people's primary input, which is like traditional cable, then um, what do you have? And the answer is, well, you've got apps. You've got all the apps that are other ways, alternate ways uh, from traditional TV. So I think it's smart on that level uh, because what they aren't offering is their own over-the-top video service or something like that. They're still sort of input number two. Um, and so saying apps is what we're about right now is the right thing to do because that's that's pretty accurate. They're, they're, they're saying this is the universe that we're playing in. And uh, also the strength of Apple uh, in terms of its development community, like the App Store and app development that's that's really a place where they have it up on like Roku. I mean, I know there are apps for Roku and people develop some apps for Roku, but come on. Like Apple on day 1 is going to have a better developer story and more and a better supported platform for apps than Roku. On day 1, it will. And, you know, it, it just I've got Roku's. They're nice and you can do apps for them and you can play angry birds on them and stuff but come on i mean because the ios development uh, sphere is so huge it takes very little effort in fact on apple's part to get uh just to get the apple tv to have an enormous set of things that can run on it um and fire tv from amazon has a decent amount of apps because they are tied in with you know, you can basically port Android apps to it um, or convert them enough to get them in the store, do enough work on them to to work with the interface model. And, you know, because it's based on Android, there's a better story for Fire TV. Um, and and Roku is Roku's good, but their story isn't as good. Amazon's story isn't as good. So Apple, you know, this is their strength. So why would you not play it up and say, uh, iOS developers, now you have access to the TV. Now, a lot of the iOS developers don't want it or care about it but if you're in uh, certain fields especially games but also entertainment if you've got video or audio content i think that you, you're going to want to be there and then they demoed some other kind of wacky uses like like zillow and guilt where you're doing shopping for mm-hmm. houses or clothes or things like that um, i suspect that will be less popular but um, isn't it nice that somebody like Major League Baseball can make an MLB app for the Apple TV with all these cool features in it, as opposed to the bare bones version that they were able to do using the private secret Apple um, 
old Apple TV channel building interface where everything was super simple and basically looked like something out of the first Apple TV. And, you know, their demo app that they did on stage looked great. I mean, they're great developers who didn't have a chance to, to really do something cool on Apple TV until now. And you'll see that from others, too. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I was talking um, to my wife about it after the event, and I brought up the Airbnb app, which they showed on stage. And, and she actually liked the idea. You know, we've been um, looking at doing some traveling. And <laughs> especially with Airbnb, right, you're, like, looking at an iPad, and you're sort of, like, the family's huddled around. It's like, what about this place? What about that place? And I, I agree with you that I don't think that's going to be, like, the mainstream type of app. I think, I think the mainstream apps are going to be what you expect on a TV, games and content. I do think there is room for this, this these other types of apps where it's helpful if more than one person is looking at it. You know, I don't think we're going to see a bunch of Twitter clients on the on the Apple TV. I hope that we don't, but um, I do think there is room for other type of stuff. And it seems, uh, at least today, you know, just a couple hours after the event, that this is a pretty open thing. So if other content providers want to to bring stuff on board, that it's very different than the old sort of. You meet the Apple employee in the alley, and he gives you like yeah. the codes, and then you end up on Apple yep. TV unannounced, that and no one wants you. Like, well, that's um, that's where did our developer go? Well, he we sent him to Cupertino. Is that a euphemism for something? Nope. We actually sent him to Cupertino because it's the only place you could build this thing. And now we're gonna see. Yeah, it's gonna be the product's gonna be way better because. Um, they're gonna. These apps are gonna be able to do more. It's gonna be better. That the Apple TV interface is old. It is old. This is the second iteration of the Apple TV interface, and it's, you know, it's okay. But it it is. This is gonna be much better. I mean, what I saw in the demo room, like it's fast. It looks great. Um, and it's powerful. And these apps can be really smart and do interesting things. And they won't, they won't all do interesting things. I think Netflix is committed to basically having every Netflix on every device look exactly the same. But the nice thing about that is that Netflix on Apple TV will now look like it does everywhere else that you use Netflix. And you know that's what that's what Netflix wants. And I think that's okay. There's no, I think there's no metaphor to break with the Apple TV anymore. It used to be they all had to look like an Apple TV app, and now they're, they're apps. They can do whatever crazy thing they want, and that's probably good. Right. Um, and like you said, the UI is different. Uh, the OS has been overhauled. We're going to get to the name in a second. But um, the the interaction from a user perspective is, is totally new as well. So gone is the little five-way aluminum remote, and its place is a remote with a glass touchpad, which you and Mike spoke about last week. Yep. Um, works over Bluetooth, so you don't have to point it at the thing. You can now hide your Apple TV because you don't need a lot of sight to it, which is which is nice if you care about that sort of thing. Um, and uh, Siri is really a, a, a big component of this. You still have all the gestures, and uh, they didn't show a keyboard, at least in the keynote. I don't know if the OS has a keyboard. In there it is, anywhere. there is one there. You can do it. You can do a picker and and click okay. on the little keys if you if you want to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's got it's got a trackpad essentially. Um, you can go. You you can tap on or swipe on, and you can click it as well. So it's got all of those sort of gestures available, and uh, and then it's got some buttons. So you can you can have some tactile buttons from you know menu and volume up and down and things like that and it does have some of that you know universal remote support built into it so that you know theoretically you can control your TV just with that although I'm skeptical of that um, you know because that's people's TVs sometimes are too complicated for stuff like that so yeah it's it's um it's the remote is funny in the sense that 
Um, it's got an accelerometer and a gyroscope in it too, so you can use it as a as a um, as a gaming like a Wii U kind of gaming device. Although there was that one demo of the um, the 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 sport game from Harmonix where you're sort of like swinging a baseball bat to tie to the rhythm of a song. You know, you can do stuff like that in there. But there seems to be nothing like general like an app on the apple t- or on the uh, iphone that lets you turn an iphone into a game controller it's sort of like if you want to play a game with the apple t- the apple tv remote and an iphone a multiplayer game you can do it but you as the developer need to put the app on the a- iphone that does that so like you've got to use the crossy road app to play two-player crossy road you can't just like launch the remote app and it turns your your uh, iphone into a remote it doesn't work like that it's all app based yeah, and I think the the I think the game demos were fun. I you know I do wonder about the novelty of some of that, and I think it's going to take some time for developers to kind of figure out what works. Uh, on the Apple website, you have to really look for it, but the thing does come with uh, at least some sort of support for third party controllers. Uh, Apple's not making yeah. one, and I agree with with Mike that. By Apple not making one, they're making a statement. The, the remote that Apple made makes a statement about the type of games they expect to see on it, and I think that's fine. Like I'm not, I don't have any dogs in that fight, but um, I think I think it's interesting. But for me, as far as interface, the most exciting thing is is the the Siri stuff, and that it's using the same type of search that's in iOS nine, where iOS nine you can you can use you can use the intelligence and use Siri to search within applications. And that uh, yeah. is here on the Apple TV as well. In, in a limited degree, I think they rattled off iTunes, Netflix, Hulu, HBO, and Showtime. So I can say... Uh, Amazon. Yeah, no no Amazon. <laughs> that's the that's sort of the weird uh, uh. the weird thing here. But um, uh, uh, they, they didn't make it clear if that search is something, hey, you know, I, I hit that API and you can search me or if it's opt-in. But that the fact that Siri can do so much more I think is going to be great. Uh, you know, in the keynote, and I think in the video, they're like, show all the kids' movies, and then someone else in the room says, oh, but show, just show the new ones, and then just show the animated ones, and it's whittling down the search. Yes. Um, if that works, that's that's a huge improvement. You know, right now, if, like, I, I want to watch this, I go into the Netflix app, oh, it's not there. I go to Hulu, oh, it's not there. And, oh, oh, it's an I end up sort of rage-buying it. Um, and this may be able to help with that, which I think is is really key to a more fluid experience. Right now, the Apple TV feels like a bunch of silos kind of stapled yeah. together, and this feels like it could be much more cohesive. You from don't the, you don't staple silos together. Well, that's I'd, not what you do. I don't know what they do. I don't know what farmers do to connect their silos, but it's probably not doesn't involve staples. I'm just saying. Big industrial sized man sized staples, Jason. S- silo staples. Uh, this is good. Um, you're right. This is this is. You see the direction Apple's going with Siri and connecting it to more data sources, and here we're seeing it. And Universal Search is really great. Uh, Amazon not being there is disappointing, but they said they'll you know they'll add others later. I think that's the idea. There is that you know they'll make they'll either make deals or they'll pick up uh, pick up data from other uh, other apps as they come online. Because um, yeah, Amazon Amazon should be there. And uh, maybe they will be at some point because it would be really nice if you knew that you, you know, if I'm going to watch a movie or a TV show, let's look on the Apple TV because it's going to tell us where we can get it. And that's that sure beats other devices where you have to go over here and then go over there and then go to this other place. And what was that? Was that four ninety nine or five ninety nine? Are the prices the same or that it's, you know, I I've 
bought a movie or rented a movie on iTunes and discovered that it was on Netflix before, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, that sucks. So um, this would be good if uh, if the more of this, the better. Um, you know, the danger with Siri demos is that they that they're demos and they're perfect because they're demos. And then in the real world, like I saw in the demo area afterwards, somebody said, you know, show me all the movies with Sean Connery in it. And it came back as show me all the movies with Sean Connery and it. It said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, well, probably you don't need in it. You probably can just say with Sean Connery, but also as a computer, you, you know, do better, right? Just do a better job, Siri. You could do better. And that, that's going to happen. And you're going to have to learn like the tricks of like, what's the right way to speak to Siri to get what, what I want to see. But when it works, it is an impressive collection of features. And, uh, yeah, I hope it works. I think the thing that was most impressive to me during the Siri demo was, uh, they were watching Modern Family and the demo, uh, the woman doing the demo basically like didn't hear how the scene started. And so she said, what does she say? The Apple TV backs up 15 seconds and then turns on captions for that 15 second window, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that was a smart feature. You know, I hope that I hope they have more things like that. Cause that's a, that's a, that's, yeah. that's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the sort of stuff like that sort of little detail is one of the things that can really set this box apart. I mean, a lot, a lot of boxes do what the Apple TV does, right? There's a lot of competition. You just rattled off a bunch of them. Um, and if this thing really works the way they say it'll work, then uh, that sort of experience is going to draw draw customers, you know? And um, yeah, so I'm excited to get one. I have an Apple TV, and I, I can say, I can tell you right now, I will be replacing it with a new one uh, this fall. Yep, 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 absolutely. So I'm looking forward to it. I guess we should talk about the uh, the OS name real quick. Because Jason, oh, you mean you mean hashtag Jason was right. Hashtag Jason was right. <laughs> I got this one right. TVOS. I wrote a piece in MacWorld a couple weeks ago saying because uh, it was August and we had nothing to talk about. Saying, okay, here's my latest theory. Phil Schiller, when when Gruber asked him, uh, "Come on, uh, watch OS all lowercase with capital OS. You're killing me here." And Schiller said something really weird, like, um, "Well, it'll all make sense uh, soon." Or something like that. I'm like, what does that mean? And I've been I've been advocating for a while now of going back to Mac OS instead of OS 10, getting off the X, moving along, getting getting to version 11, you know, being done with the X. Um, and now what we have is iOS, lowercase i, capital OS. We have that runs the iPad and the iPhone. Uh, we and the iPod Touch. We have uh, Watch OS, which runs the Apple Watch, and now we have TV, lowercase TV, capital OS, that runs the Apple TV. Which means that next year will we see Mac OS, lowercase Mac, uppercase OS? Maybe that might actually happen. But uh, but I called it on TV OS, and uh, so yeah, yay! It, it, I don't like how it looks at all, but at least I was right. It, it it does look a little a little weird, but I think the the naming scheme makes sense, and I think that the Apple TV always had this identity problem where the OS didn't have a name, and maybe it didn't need one because you had to have that sort of backroom agreement to to be on it but now that it is a development platform it's got sdk it's got apis on it it needed a name and i think i think tvos is is uh is a good one it obviously fits in yeah it needed a name and based on ios is not a good name right it runs ios but not really not a good name and then when your developers have to develop for it you got to give it you got to call it something, and it not isn't really iOS, right? Because it's weird because it's running on this outlier device. So, 
tvOS let's call it that at least it's clear now yeah, so we'll uh, we'll put a, a link uh, to that article in the show notes um Jason where can people find the show notes this week well since this is episode 53 of upgrade they can find the show notes at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 53 Stephen that's how that works or they can look in their podcast app of choice and it's probably already there it's clever how we name these things really uh-huh very straightforward um so uh it's gonna ship uh late october if you're a developer you can get uh, you can actually apply doing a raffle it seems like of a hardware dev kit so you can be putting apps on it and seeing how it goes it's um 149 bucks for the 32 gig and 199 for the 64 and and did they give you any sort of uh additional information about why they're two sizes in the hands-on area there any any news there no i think the idea there is it's basically how much space do you want for apps and it's not like you can download f- videos or anything or sync videos like you could on the first generation apple tv it's really that it's um that that they want space for apps because if you have a lot of apps you know you're going to want more space so you don't have to be installing them and uninstalling them there there was a tweet going around earlier saying that there doesn't seem to be any persistent storage, um, which is, I, I really don't know what that means as far as like can I at least keep so much game data uh, on on the Apple oh, TV or that well, seems yeah, sort so of looks like apps are limited to 200 megabytes or something like that. This is this goes back to another feature that they announced which uh, this year, which is this uh, this ability for like levels and stuff to load dynamically. They load on the fly, so you you know the app loads the next level and pulls it out over the cloud. So instead of installing a you know, 20 gigs on your hard drive, uh, like on a console, it instead um, kind of loads things on the fly. And that was announced for apps for iOS, but uh, works works with tvOS too. So that that's what you're going to see is, um, you know, slimmed down uh, apps that can load their content and uh, delete their content as they go. I think too, there's there's questions around universal apps and there's some stuff on the developer site that maybe seems like you could do a universal app but then the tv app be an add-on and maybe you could charge for that is very very early in all this so i'm sure there'll be lots of follow-up uh in the coming weeks but yeah. I, I for one am excited to see what developers do with this i think it's going to be great to have um the apple tv be a bigger part of the apple ecosystem it has always felt like this sort of like weird little guy right it was um it was a hobby right that's what that's what apple you know, that's what Steve Jobs Hobby. called it years ago, and I yeah. think it's finally graduated from that today. Yeah, they're ch- they're 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 changing the changing the future of TV now, apparently. So yeah, so much. I I think I I think it needs to sell well for it to not to not be a hobby. But that that's where they're headed now. This is a real development platform, and it's all good. That's good. Good stuff. It gets, you know, this is Apple TV is a conduit to get the power of of app you know app developers apps onto TV sets onto big screens and uh you know i don't i don't feel like this is um i think it's a false thing to say does this mean that it's going to compete with game consoles you know i i think not i think it i think it sort of does but but more doesn't if that makes sense um maybe it doesn't make sense that that it's it's it might but not really like it, it it it's a different beast and it can play games but the, it, it's not an attempt to reach the game console market so much as reach another market that is uh, that might want to play games on their TV but is not going to buy a console. 
Yeah, that's where I fit in. You know, I'm not, not. I don't consider myself a gamer. I don't own a console. Haven't had a console since I was a kid. Um, but some casual games with the family on the Apple TV is something I could, I could get behind. Um, so I think that's. Yeah. I think it's more of a. It's sort of a second tier thing that it's not going after the Xbox. It's not going after the PlayStation. But but you're right. There is this other audience of people who want something less hardcore. And I think that's a market that's been really underserved. I mean, there was the, uh, there was a, what was the Android based one a couple of years ago that you could put games on and you could put like ROMs on and stuff. I think Mike owns yeah. one. Um, but there hasn't really been Is a, that the, Oh yeah. Yeah. The, Ooh, Ooh yeah. The Ooh yeah. Yeah. Um, sounds like a cheer really more than anything. Yep. <laughs> but there really isn't anything sort of in this power and price class until now. And I, I think Apple is, is, is smart to go after that. I think there are going to be a lot of people who like it because it's not a console, if that makes sense. No. Uh, anyways, good times. Good times in the TV land. Um, but I think it's time to move out of the living room, Jason. Oh, we have to leave the living room I think now. we do. It's, it's time to move to our pockets. But first, do you want to tell us about our <laughs> friends at FanDuel? See, I was going to say uh, getting hot and stuffy in here, but it's going to be way hotter and stuffier in the pockets than it is in the living room. But okay, we'll go there after I tell you about FanDuel. Big week. I know you guys have been waiting for this week for ages because uh, it's the first week of the NFL season. Also Apple event. Also new iPhones. Also new Apple TV. But if you like the sports and the sports ball, you may be excited about the fact that the American football season is starting. And many fans of the American football... I don't know why I'm describing it this way, but I know we have a, an international audience that enjoys listening to this podcast, and I need to explain this to the American football, different from the uh, the football that you may know. One of the great things about it, fantasy football. I have been in a fantasy football league for uh, basically since high school, and it's been on uh, online for a while now. And it's the traditional league where you draft players at the beginning of the season, you you uh, pick players every week in your starting lineup, and you accumulate points, or you do head-to-head wins and losses. And at the end of the year, somebody wins. They usually win some money. Uh, it's nice. It's fun. FanDuel is doing something different. Um, and you don't even have to be a huge fo- sports nut um, to get into fantasy football. This is for everyone, anyone who can uh, who is sort of interested in sports. You can play it on FanDuel. It's the... That's because FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football. That's right. More winners and more payouts than any other site. They're paying more than $75 million a week this football season. And it's easy. You get a salary cap, so you don't you, you can't just do an all-star team. you got to be smart. you got to pick like a bunch of middle-level players that you think are going to have a good week. Or you pick some stars and some super cheap fines and hope that the stars can balance it out. It's a, There's some interesting strategies that that go on here. You build it for the week. Uh, entry fees start at one dollar, so anyone can play. You uh, you make your lineup and you see what happens. So it's uh, I I set up a lineup the other week uh, in on the baseball side in FanDuel. Very easy to do. Um, and week one of the NFL is coming up. So uh, after you get over the high of the Apple event uh, and start to think about maybe some uh, some NFL action, consider FanDuel. This is what you need to do. Go to FanDuel.com, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use code UPGRADE and sign up now. For every dollar you deposit, uh, if you're a new user, FanDuel will match it up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. So use the code UPGRADE. That's FanDuel.com, F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. And thank you to FanDuel for sponsoring UPGRADE. So we're in the pocket now. Jason, 
iPhone 6s. It's so small in the pocket. It's Six so hard to S. hot and stuffy in there. Okay, we're here. Here we are. We're in the pocket with an iPhone 6s <laughs> and a 6s Plus. It's a big pocket. In the same pocket? That's no good. Two phone. Oh, okay. Two pockets. Two pockets. They're connected. They're stapled together. <laughs> That's how they're connected <laughs> by staples. Uh, yeah. New new iPhones. New iPhones. It happened at, at the end. At the end, not not the beginning. I mean, they Apple events have a tendency, I think, to sort of ramp up to the most exciting thing, right? Um, this time, I feel like it was sort of a bell curve. They sort of started slow, got big with the iPad Pro and the Apple TV, and then sort of tapered back down with the phones. Uh, I, I don't know, really know what that, why that change took place this year, but um, I mean, it was like an hour and 20 minutes in until they got to the phones, but at least they got more than like the eight minutes they did last year with the watch, which is good. Yeah. Um, lots of things about numbers, crazy year over year growth, especially in China. Yeah. That's one of those update, non update updates is we still got an iPhone update just came at the end. Customer sat yeah, off the charts. He said customer sat in this, in this part. I, mm-hmm. I typed it out. And as I was crying a little bit, it's off the charts, Jason. <laughs> it's, it's really can't doesn't see it from here. Doesn't the chart end at a hundred percent? Like, you can't have more than everyone who has a phone be no, satisfied it tur- with it. It, tur- it turns out Apple's charts for customer sat end at 90%. It sounds like the Amazon charts with no numbers at all. It's like everything's uh-huh. off the chart because the chart doesn't mean yep. anything. Yep. Uh, so it's a, it's an S year, right? The the outside is the same. The cases are the same. But uh, it seems like they really played up, hey, we did a lot of stuff internally. It's not just a speed bump like some previous S phones have been, but... Um, We've got a new cover glass. We've got new cameras. We've got new aluminum. We're actually, they're actually using the 700 series aluminum like they're on the watch, which was 7,000. 7, yeah, it's that, it's that magic aerospace aluminum right. uh, thing that is, that is as predicted. It's made out of rockets, Jason. It is. It is. It's from space. From space. Um, and then, of course, the 3D touch, which I think is probably the biggest thing. I think, that, I think the 3D touch is what will define this iPhone in, in history. Yep. Um, no doubt. So can can you kind of break down, just watching it was sort of hard to kind of really get what they're trying to say. How is it using it? Kind of what are your thoughts on, on how they presented it and what you think about the, the feature? Uh, it's So I spent most of my time, well, I spent a lot of time with the iPad Pro and then I spent a lot of time with a, a, a success uh, with this feature because I wanted to understand it. And... You know, you are you are pushing a little bit harder on an interface element to make something happen. And there are a few different ways that that manifests. In the launcher, it manifests as a little menu of common uh, suggestions of things that you might want to do. And it and then it's launching the app, but it's launching the app with a it's deep linking essentially it's that's taking it to a very particular state so in mail if you 3d touch i guess if you press on the um on the mail icon one of the options is search and when you tap on search or, or you can actually press and then sort of just slide your finger down to search and let go that also works it will launch mail but it will bring you to the search window with the insertion point in the search box and the keyboard showing so you're ready to go that as an example uh, or if you if you 3D touch, you you give that extra press on the camera app, you can slide your finger down to take a selfie or take a picture or take a video, and 
um, and let go, and then that feature will come up. So, you know, you'll already be with the front-facing camera, the FaceTime camera, or you'll already be in video mode. So that's clever, and that's, a, that's like a control click. That's a right click. That's, that's a contextual thing, but it can help. I think that could be really great. Like in Maps, you press hard uh, on, the, on, the, on the Maps icon, and you get a thing that says uh, navigate to home. It's just a nice little shortcut to say, I'm just, I just need to figure out how to get home from here. Um, and then in apps, there are, I think developers can sort of do whatever they want, but this metaphor that Apple is using, and I think Apple wants to be a, a, uh, an example for app developers. App developers are going to look at what Apple does and say, we should do that because all the system apps do that. It's this idea of the, uh, of, of the peak and the pop. <laughs> so <laughs> Adorable, really. Kind of cute names. Yeah. Yeah, except the peak kind of pops up, which is yeah, weird because it's not a pop, same, pop; it's a peak. I had the same thought. Yeah, yeah. So, but you press you press on that um, on an interface element, like uh, let's say uh, you're in the preview list of all of your messages. If you if you if you touch on one with some with and and press a little bit, you get a preview of that message, um, and that's called a peak. And in some apps, you can actually do things from the peak. You can swipe your finger up and down or left and right and expose other options. Like if you swipe your finger up, from the bottom comes a, a list of uh, a buttons that you can press to do something to whatever you've got selected. Um, in um, If you want to commit fully commit to that thing you're just peeking at you you just continue to press a little bit harder and that the whole interface element just kind of pops and that's the pop into full you know regular mode like as if you had tapped on it so it's a way for you to instead of the old mode which would be oh let's see what message they sent tap slide in oh there it is and tap and you slide back out instead you you do this 3d touch you look at the message and if it is the one that you were looking for then you press a little bit harder and it opens as if you had tapped it so it's a it's a it's cute it does a little uh it's because there's the taptic engine now in the iPhone 6s and 6s plus it does a little quick buzz kind of in your hand when you do both of those things so you get some some very light haptic feedback that these things are happening and I can see how it will become se- second nature to people who are using the these uh, these devices to do it because Apple's done it in a very kind of clever way it's not just let's let's uh, let's throw up a, a menu everywhere it's it's a uh, it, they, I think they did a very good job. I think it, it the the fit and finish of it is really nice. They they um, I'm impressed with that, and I could see how it could become a natural part of your your gestural language um, in the future once you start using these uh, these devices. No, I I definitely agree. We had spoken on Connected a couple of weeks ago about the the concern developers would be tempted to put UI elements behind uh, a long press. Uh, or behind a forced touch, as we were calling it, and now it's not, not the name anymore. Or this is something different. It's no. all it's very confusing. But I, I agree with you. I think the way Apple's doing it is that there's nothing that this does that you can't do another way, right? You you can you can launch the app and you can hit the button you want, or you can tap on the email and open it. But it, it's providing a, another level of like uh, accessibility to those things and. In a way that is is clever, but I don't think developers or or the OS itself are going to be hamstrung because a bunch of old devices don't have it yet. You know what I mean? Like it's a nice addition, but it doesn't really add any 
there's no negative side to that that I can see at this point. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. It, the ball is really in the court of uh, of the app developers now. It's a ball <laughs> to in see his pocket they, too. It's getting really crowded. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. Uh, we'll see what they do. We'll see what they what they do with this and and the the clever ideas that that they, they, they come out of it. But um, but I like it. It's a uh, it's a uh, I like my first few minutes with it. I I totally get what they're doing. It feels natural. It's harder to explain, but very easy when you experience it to see what you would do. It's it feels natural. It doesn't feel like you're trying to press through the screen. Um, it doesn't. I didn't notice any you know accidental taps. I think that the software behind it is really smart about what it's sensing and 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 how it behaves. I really think app developers are going to go to town with things like the shortcuts from the home screen. It makes the home screen more efficient, and uh, and being able to kind of pop in or sorry peek into various items uh, in the UI um, that that we you could get used to it really really easily. So we'll see. Yeah, I think it's I think it's nice. Um... Camera got a got a big jump this year as well. They've gone from eight to twelve megapixel. Um, they had a whole technical explanation about why they couldn't do that till now. That quite frankly, no human can understand. Um, and uh, I think the big thing with the camera is doing four K video. It seems. I, mean, I don't mean to be a downer, Jason. Don't mean to be the way that I am, but it just seems. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what I can do with 4K video at this point, right? Like I, what am I going to do with 4K video, Nothing. Jason? Well, um, zoom in on it. Yeah, I mean, I guess, and and let it fill up my photo stream and my iCloud account, or or use image stabilization and have lots of extra pixels to use. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 one of those things. That when when they first did 1080 video, I thought, really, what are we going to do 1080 video? But then you know, a few years pass and. It seems reasonable. This is one of those things where it's it's early, but having it there uh, will eventually seem nice. And, you know, people will be shooting movies. They're already shooting movies with iPhones. Now they'll be shooting them in 4K. Yeah. Someone, someone in the chat room is like, you can watch the videos on your Roku. <laughs> the Apple TV doesn't yeah, support that's right. 4K. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, joking yep. aside, I mean, part, that's partially in jest. I mean, it's going to be really fun to play with, I think. But at the same time you have this argument and it's, it's been, it's sort of been rekindled today on Twitter of, uh, you know, I can take a couple of minutes of video and fill up, you know, an eighth of my 16 gigabyte iPhone. And that's, I think that's problematic. Uh, especially when photo and video see, like that's what normal people do with their phones, right? A lot of people do this stuff. And I, I do think that the complaints we have heard, from people and the complaints that, that have been voiced to Apple about the 16 gigabyte phone, it's only going to get louder now that you can really fill that thing up with really high quality video. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you'll also be filling it up with live photos, so who knows? There, there, there are lots of ways to fill up these these uh, these phones. So pity those who have the 16 gig model. Uh, so what else with the camera? They did they the five megapixel FaceTime camera, the camera on the front. Um, they're using the screen now as a as a flash. They they've done this in photo booth on the Mac forever. Um, yes, and I think Indeed. Snapchat. I'm not young enough to understand Snapchat, but I've heard <laughs> the children have told me that it snaps while it chats. That, yes, that it's it, an amazing invention. It uses the screen flash. Um, yeah, and then so so yeah, they'll, they'll fl- and they say three times as bright as the 
as the standard brightness. So they've got it, you know, they're they're cranking up the brightness momentarily yeah. in order to get that uh flash using It's the like a little explosion. You can only do so many of them that your phone just disintegrates. Sad. Possible. <laughs> the uh and then faster LTE, faster wireless, you know, stuff we see kind of yeah. kind of every I mean year. that I think I feel like that stuff just kind of comes with the territory right. where they get you get new radios and they have new features so they're like, "Yay, here they are." And they make claims that they're twice as fast, and it's usually never that, never actually true, except in ideal circumstances that never exist. But generally, you know, over time, it ends up being faster as time goes on. Maybe not as fast as they say, but because in the real world, things aren't ever that simple. But in the in in the ballpark, the live the live photos thing, I I am fascinated by this idea that um. You know, these cameras all sort of bracket the images. They sort of take a bunch of images and pick a good one. I think I think that actually was happening on the iPhone before to a certain degree where, you know, it was taking whatever, 10 images or something and then picking the one that it thought was the best of those and using that one. I think that I think it was already doing that. But now what they, what they're doing here is when you were in this live photo mode, it is, you know, it is taking a, a still, but for a, a second and a half on either side, it's gathering data and uh, and then it generates essentially it generates a still, and then it generates um, it saves. Uh, they're unclear on this, but it's compressed, so it sounds like they're doing kind of quick timey stuff where where they're where they're tracking like. I don't know if you can do can you do a reverse keyframe? Maybe there are two keyframes, but it, that sounds like what's happening here is you've got your picture, and then there's there's data that they're using for the other stills in this live photo thing, so that when you you know, when you hold on an image that's a live photo, you see uh, three seconds of movement. It's like a really short vine. Right. But but it's um, not video. They were very clear about that. No, it's, it's, a, a f- it's a series of it's a series of stills, you know, using the still camera stuff. And yet it's also not stored as a stack of JPEGs, which is why I mentioned keyframes, because it sounds more like what's happening is something like that's how that's how video compression works. Right. Is you have a keyframe that's got all the information. And then for successive frames, they um, up until the point where there's a new keyframe, what they're doing is detailing how this frame is different from the frame that came before it. And it sounds like they're doing something like that with the live photo stuff. But it's not a video. So it's kind of like a video, but it's kind of not a video. It's complicated. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing with it. I think it'll be fun with you know kids and and pets and stuff. It's it's cute. Yeah, exactly right. You know, and you get these little things and you hold it, and and the, the that still picture you've got also has some motion data around it, and it moves a little bit, and that can be kind of fun. And there's audio optionally too. So it's uh yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a fun idea. We'll see if it goes anywhere. But uh, they're they're building support into iOS nine and El Capitan, so you'll be able to see the stuff that's shot yeah. with this. And I'm unclear whether you can export it out as a animated yeah. GIF or something. I, I know. Said it. I said GIF. Mm. You heard me. Uh, and watch OS. And they, they, it was sort of a throwaway comment, but uh, iOS nine you can oh, yeah. set a photo or a photo album as your as your watch face background. And they've said again just very off the cuff during the keynote that you can do that with these as well so if you have a little 3 second thing of your kid smiling you can make that your your watch face which i think is um i mean i think these things will be fun but i think that it's going to be for a certain type of person and there will be a lot of people who just don't care or don't understand or you know it's fine but i can't i can't export it to instagram so who cares you know i really want to see how the third party support if it exists what that looks like before i'm willing to say this is going to be a huge hit but um Anyway, so we talk about the business stuff a little bit. Um, uh, your sure. You, you, does, does that mean we can leave the pocket? Yeah, we can. We're now in the we're now in the uh, in the boardroom, Jason. 
Okay. It's oh, a good-looking suit. I love this leather chair here. Good-looking suit. Mm. Thanks. Uh, so your, uh, I say your, it's not really yours, but your 6S is, is not here. So the, the lineup now is 5S, 6, 6 plus, 6S, 6S plus. It's exhausting to say. Uh, I, I'm surprised yeah. they kept the 6 plus. I thought just the 6 would sit in the middle, but... um. Uh, they, they got they got two nope. options in the middle now, and then the the five S is still around at that fr- in the U S on contract uh, on that sort of free tier. Uh, of course, now uh, you know a lot of a lot of carriers are going to this monthly payment thing. So they also broke that down mm-hmm. of like, hey, this is you know an average over these carriers, you know, twenty seven thirty two dollars a month or something, um, right? Which d- and then and, yes, and then Apple has its own. Uh, its own program. There'll be a link in the show notes. They're calling it the iPhone Upgrade Program. And uh, basically, if you want an iPhone every year, you can go into the Apple Store, tell them your carrier, and you get a monthly bill. And then you go back in the next year, give them the phone back, and they roll that debt over to the next phone or something. It's. I, I looked over this Apple website, and quite frankly, sort of my eyes glazed over. Um, but it's 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 there. It's, it, it it sounds like this is uh, yeah i i need to get more information about this it sounds like this is basically apple saying look we um we want to have the equivalent of what the carriers have which is a monthly um a monthly phone reimbursement program so that's what they created so if you want to use apple um, and Apple's thing is a little different in that you've got they've rolled Apple Care Plus into it, so it's going to be a little more expensive. But th- what they say is you get a new iPhone every year. It sounds to me like you pay this monthly fee, and and after a year you can trade in your old iPhone and get a new iPhone, and then you pay the new monthly fee. And it's a two year commitment, but I think you're buying yourself out of the second year by trading in your phone. I think so. Yes, I think that I think that's how it works. So it's a little more expensive, but if Put it this way, if you are more comfortable with your relationship with Apple than you are with your carrier, and I suspect a lot of Apple's customers are, this is an interesting approach where you're getting an unlocked phone, you can change your carrier anytime you want, you can travel internationally and put any SIM card in you want, and and yes, you are paying, instead of paying that $32 a month or $40 a month or whatever for... um, or or twenty eight dollars a month to AT and T for your plan, or to T Mobile, or to Verizon, you pay it to Apple, and and uh, and along with it, you get Apple Care, so you've got uh, extra protection on it. It's and it's unlocked, so you can move at any point. Uh, interesting. I I don't know. Part of me says that this is largely to grease the skids of selling phones in Apple retail. That. The Apple really likes the idea of being of of the two year subsidy thing and hates the idea of selling having to sell an unlocked phone for six hundred dollars or whatever seven hundred and fifty dollars and now they don't have to because they have this plan that sounds a lot like plans people are going to be familiar with so interesting idea um I think it also you know the iPhone's gotten a lot simpler the last couple of versions where now there aren't a bunch of different SKUs for a bunch of different carriers there's sort of an iPhone right. now and that enables them to do this too by saying look it's just for everybody whatever you know every carrier will work with it and uh that makes 
this more viable than it would have been even two or three years ago where, oh, you know, that's you can't use that phone on this carrier kind of stuff. It's just sort of swept away now. So it's cool. People will crunch the numbers and find out whether it's a good deal or not. Chances are it's going to be more expensive because, like I said, they're rolling in Apple Care and stuff like that. So it'll probably be you probably get a better deal from your carrier. Um, depending on what you want, though. If you want Apple Care, if you want the ability to dump your carrier on a moment's notice and uh, have an unlocked phone, this may be a better deal. Yeah, I don't know. You know I'm I'm sort of mid-contract right now with Verizon, but it, it is interesting thing about making a change. And basically now, if you start, if you move carriers or you start over, you're basically more or less going to be in some sort of monthly installment thing. You know, the, the idea yeah. of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend... A couple hundred dollars if you buy unlocked several hundred dollars at once, and then I just pay my bill, and you know I'm I'm tied to you for a set amount of time, and then then we can go our separate ways. That whole relationship again here in the U.S. is changing, and I think you're right. Apple has to respond to that somehow, and uh, I do think um, that they Apple would prefer its customers come into their own stores because then they can they can control the experience, right? Like we've all been to carrier stores that are terrible. Um, and there's some good ones out there too, but you know we've all had that experience. If we go and just it's just a nightmare. And Apple, there's always I always feel like there's this tension with Apple and the carriers, and, and maybe this is sort of the next round of that. Of hey, you guys are going to do this monthly installment plan, you know. All of a sudden, Apple looks like the bad guy if they don't have this, right? If you go to Apple's website, you can only buy a phone for $299. On paper, you know, it's different, but the way it looks is like, whoa, like, what are you doing, Apple? Like, that's a, you know, either that's an old way of thinking about it or people don't understand and why it's so much more expensive. And so Apple has to play ball here. And I think it's interesting, and I am curious to see as as you know this week goes on, and, and as people sort of dive into the details of this of this agreement, you know how how does it stack up versus what AT and T or Verizon or T Mobile are doing on that on that fee? It, it's an interesting change. Yeah. Well, yeah, interesting strategy. We'll see. We'll see what what happens with it. But I think. You know, Apple's got a lot more loyalty bound up in their brand than Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile have in theirs with customers. So uh, why not do this? We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, so really the only other thing they sort of announced was some iCloud changing, uh, iCloud price changing stuff. Um, I don't know what it was before, but the new prices are $0.99 cents for 50 gigs, $2.99 for 200, and $9.99 for a terabyte. That's that's monthly, build monthly. Um, uh, it's cheaper, I think. Like I said, I didn't look up what the previous ones were, but it's still expensive. Yeah, it's cheaper. It's still expensive compared to some other things out there, but I think Apple's realizing that uh, they've got to make some adjustments here. Yeah, it's it's cheaper, although I've got the 500 gig plan, which is no longer there, which is annoying yeah. to me because I think I'm using about 270 gigs of um, photos and video yeah. from, from so the So you're photos forced app. up to the terabyte. Well, which I think is what I'm paying so I think, you know, and I'm probably grandfathered in, but I think I think that's what I'm paying. But um that's too bad, right? It's like, oh yeah. I could uh they I didn't get a I didn't get a cost savings. But um but it still it's it's good. I'm disappointed that they didn't their free tier didn't go up to ten because I feel like there's so many bad user experiences that happen because you run out of a backup oh, space. Yeah. 
and and I feel like or or that it's five gigs per device up to linked to an account up to fifteen or something like that. Where because if you have an iPhone and an iPad, you're going to be very close to running out of your five gigs of backup storage, like really easily. And then you get all these weird, obscure warnings. And I don't, you know, maybe they sell some people on, um, on buying more storage stuff, but I think mostly it just annoys people and they ignore it and they stop their devices start getting backed up and it leads to bad things. And so I think they should, uh, yeah, they should do something about that, but they didn't instead though, that 50 gig plan is now 99 cents a month. That's a pretty good deal. That, that, that's not bad just to, for like backups and some stuff. And I think in general, this will be good for people who use photos because making access to photos, um, more reliable is, uh, is a good thing. Yeah, five hundred. Previously, you got for nine ninety nine a month. You got five hundred okay. gigs, which was the plan that I was on, and so now I will basically be able to go up to a terabyte. But I can't go down. I, I my five hundred gig plan goes away, so there's no place for me to fall in at five ninety nine or something. I right. have to either go down to two hundred or up to it, a terabyte. It is a big gap, but I, I, I mean, obviously, Apple has the data on how people are using this, and so I'm sure somewhere in some, uh, not necessarily our boardroom that you and I are sitting in, but another boardroom. Yes. Uh, you know, someone looked at this and, and, and said, hey, we need to redraw these tiers. And uh, at least Apple's paying attention to it. I mean, I was afraid that they had just put these prices on their website and then like the intern who did it was gone. Walked away. And no one's like, how yeah. do we change it? No one knew. Um, so at least they're looking at it. And hopefully over time, they'll they'll sort of settle closer to the, the reality that we think should should come about. Yep. Busy day, Jason. See. Sp- big day. Big day, big week. Lots lots going on. Big week. But uh yeah, it's uh it's good. It it was uh it was dense. It was meaty. I'm glad. I, I like I like having a lot to talk about and a lot to write about. And it's gonna be a busy few weeks now. Good lord. I've got to write, you know, about iOS nine and then El Capitan's coming right after that and we're gonna get that uh you know, we're gonna have new hardware rolling out sooner and a little bit later and a little bit later all the way out to November with the iPad Pro. So much to do, and so much for uh, all of us to talk about too. So that's good. Fun. the The drought of summer is over. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not the really actual is. drought. Sorry about that. It was sensitive. <clears throat> yeah. I'll I'll die now. Goodbye. I I'm I'm going drying up. <laughs> I just dried up, and now I'm going to blow away on a breeze. Oh no! There's no breeze. No. Maybe yes. you should go to. California maybe you should drought. go to sleep. Nope. <laughs> No sleep. Uh, do we have any ask upgrade? Or do you want to wrap this up? Uh, let's do a couple quick ask okay. upgrades. I've got the ask upgrade window open here. Um, and let's see if there's stuff that we haven't answered. Uh, Oliver asks if the computer's icon is still in the new Apple TV UI. It's not in any of the screenshots. Will ripped videos still work? I don't know if it's in there or not. I didn't see it either. Um, it might appear when it senses computers around with sharing turned on. Um, but I would also say that now that there's an app story here, presumably there'll be like Plex and other stuff that plays uh, ripped videos on servers mm-hmm. too. So I think in the end it'll be fine. But I, I don't know for sure if the if the direct sync from iTunes is gone or not. Um, Raphael asks, is it the end of the iPad Air? I would say no. I think they're just taking a break. There's how many new versions can Apple do at any given time? So they brought the iPad uh, mini up to the specs of the iPad Air 2. Um, and I would imagine that the iPad Air will get revved next year. Um, and 
you know, it, there, there, there are a lot of these products with the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, with the iPad Mini Air and Pro. It's a lot of products. I think that we can't expect them all to get updated every year. And so the iPad seems to be a place where Apple's picking its spots with updates. Um, Rai Amadon, uh, who's also in the chat room, I think, asked if this is a good time to buy a refurbished Air 2. I think, sure, um, there's not going to be a new one anytime soon. So if you really want one and you don't want an iPad Pro, now would be a great time, I would say. I bought a refurbished iPad Air 2 when they announced iOS 9 because I wanted to use the uh, the split screen features. And uh, it's uh, really nice. Yeah, I, I really like the Air 2. I mean, if you're looking for a, a new iPad and the the Pro is, is off-putting for some reason, the Air 2 is a great tablet. Yeah. Um. Uh, Alan says, what about palm rejection on the iPad Pro? Uh, apparently it's there. I did not use the, the uh, Apple Pencil, so I have nothing to say about that. And uh, any indication, he asked, if iPhone still only has one gig of RAM? We don't know. Uh, and they gave no in- indication to the contrary. I sure hope that, that there's two gigs of RAM in the iPhones, oh, yeah. especially the Agreed. 6 Plus. Um, and let's see. I want Apple Pencil, but I like the size of the regular iPad. Do you think the regular size iPad line will support it eventually? You know, maybe in a year, maybe they'll do the little three dots and everything and add that uh, connector thing to other devices. I wouldn't count on it, but I think there's a chance it might happen in a year. And uh, Shireen asks how pink the rose gold iPhone is, and my answer to that is um, my colorblindness uh, requires me not to answer. That, there's some hands-on videos though you can find online. It looks yeah. uh, it looks uh, fairly pink on video at least. Um, yeah, I guess I had a hard time seeing it, but that's me. I, I don't see pink very well. That's pink is one of my weaknesses. Go uh, and finally, the story. Timer Ko- Timer Koala Singh um, asked if we heard anything about HomeKit. Isn't that a huge omission? If we didn't, and the answer is we didn't hear anything about HomeKit so far as I could tell. Isn't that interesting? It's not- dead but it's sure not enjoying a great life <laughs> i mean it seems like sort no. of i think home kids one of those things that takes time and there have been reports out that apple has been very involved with hardware partners to certify things to work with HomeKit, and it just seems like a very slow maybe painful process to roll that stuff out which i'm yeah. okay with i want it to be well tested <laughs> um you know my guess is to on that real quick, uh, there was talk about the Apple TV being like a HomeKit hub, or uh, you know, the, the thing certainly has the power to, to do that now with the hardware, and it may be that that stuff is sort of laying dormant, or they could add it later. Uh, I don't think HomeKit's dead. Well, if, I just think it's Siri. Sleeping. Siri has the ability to tie into HomeKit, right? So it's possible that you'll be able to use Siri on yeah. the Apple TV to do stuff. They that just ties haven't into said HomeKit much and say, yeah, but they didn't say anything about it, which is. Uh, Maybe it was just a victim of how packed it really was. Maybe, yeah, maybe so. Maybe. All right, I think we've reached the end. I think I think it is the end. Um, Jason, thanks for letting me uh, come hang out. Yeah, it was a lot well, of fun. thank you for filling in for Mike, who, while we were talking, arrived in our fair country. It's true. He's so. in uh, he's in Portland. So we'll um, we'll we'll see him this weekend, and Mike and I are going to do um, uh, the next episode of Upgrade. We'll record that over the weekend. In uh, in Portland, and yep. that'll be next week's episode. So, and you and I will do a liftoff uh, yep. as well. The the other show, the the show you and I have now about space podcast mania. It's happening. 
here at Relay FM, which is good because it's the podcast network. So there, there should be podcasts on a podcast. That's what, Don't you think podcast network should release podcasts? I think so. I have found that to be beneficial to the mm-hmm. bottom line. I agree. Uh, so uh, if you want to find the show notes this week, uh, we said it earlier, but you can find them at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 53. If you want to follow Jason on Twitter, you can find him at jsnell and his writing at sixcolors.com. One of the most colorful websites. Aww. There. Uh, one of my favorites. Um, find me online as well at 512pixels.net or ISMH on Twitter. And uh, until next time, bye-bye. Bye, everybody.